Hello, and welcome to The Funny Thing About Yoga, where we talk all things yoga and maybe make you laugh a little bit. I'm Gianna Gambino. And I'm Bradshaw Wish. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm having so much fun. Hey, everybody. We're back with our fourth episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, remember, please rate, review, and subscribe. We really can use the support to help get us noticed on the search radar. So thanks for tuning in and thanks for supporting. Today's episode features another guest. It's our second guest. And Bradshaw, who do we have on? Let our folks know. We have the head manager of Zen Yoga Garage, Melissa Talita. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wish you would talk in that voice more often. <laughs> oh, you do. Oh, wow. Uh, Melissa <laughs> is a good friend of ours and uh, the the go-to gal at Zen Yoga Garage, the head manager. She owns part of Zen. Uh, she's a wonderful human, a wonderful yoga teacher, and she has a lot of insight into uh, running a yoga studio, being a yoga teacher, and -hmm. living that life. So we're really excited that she's here to chat with us today. I can't wait to catch up with Melissa. She's always been so supportive of not just me, but all yoga teachers at Zen Yoga Garage. And since I moved away and it's been a while since I've been there, I'm really looking forward to catching up. Do you feel supported by me just emotionally and mentally? Not always. No, I would, I would but say I no. Do, I would say no. But I you're obsessed with me and su- you want to you're, she's trying to kiss me on the lips every time I see her and I try to I have to push her away. Well, I was actually gonna say that. I was like, I don't feel supported by you like in a business end of things, but I do <laughs> feel supported by you when you like hold me tight and yeah try to cut cuddle me well speaking of holding you tight i think we're going to be holding our tight or holding each other tight very very soon because we have a retreat coming up when is that gianna okay everyone we're going to sedona march 31st through april 3rd so it's a long weekend in sedona with the gorgeous view of the red rocks from the house that we rented and besides me and Bradshaw cuddling in our own private room. <laughs> You're actually going to be teaching yourself because Gianna and I are going to be in the room <laughs> holding each other forehead to forehead, telling forehead each other secrets. Forehead. No, we've been apart for too long. So this is going to be a big reunion. But besides that, you're actually coming to our to- wedding. Oh, yeah. So the retreat is a surprise wedding. It's our nuptials. <laughs> Okay, we're literally no, making this like another going... podcast before the before the podcast. We are going to Sedona. You should come. We're doing yoga twice a day. We're going hiking. Hiking. We're eating amazing food. We're communicating. We are connecting. Meditating. We are meditating. In the vortex. Meditating everyone. in the vortex. The vortex. The okay, vortex. so basically, Sedona. <laughs> see you there. Oh my God, that was slightly beautiful, but slightly annoying. Yeah, so see you there. Please check it out. Go to our website, kayayogaschool.com. I want to say one more thing. I want to say one more thing. It's in our show notes. I hear you. What do you think? I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) I just want to tell everyone, you, you know, don't be like, oh, there'll be another one. You should come to this one. You want to know why? 
because you need to take some time for yourself to recenter, to ground and connect to nature. And if you don't think you do, you're fucking crazy. So you better be there. And if not, <laughs> oh there's going to be a big hell today. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Can you stop threatening our listeners at the beginning of every episode last time? Go come to our retreat. <laughs> Last time you told them that if they don't rate, review, or subscribe, they're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. And here we are with Melissa. Melissa, John and I are so excited to have you today. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to see you both. I can see your faces and I haven't seen Gianna in months. I know. I miss Zen. I miss your face. And I also, (laughs) (laughs) I miss just chatting with yoga teachers about yoga, the candidness, all the things, all the things that I, you know, we don't have coworkers like in, in the actual teaching of the class. So I feel like Zen is the closest I've ever had to like having like community and coworkers within any studio that I've ever worked on or worked in. I mean, it's, but, it's like something we didn't realize we missed for so long until everyone came back in person. We're like, yeah. oh, your face, we can talk. You want to talk about my sequence just because you're <laughs> cool. Let's talk about it. I know. And we could nerd out on yoga. I feel like I've nerded out on yoga with you more than most people, I think. But <laughs> it's before fun. we get into it, we, we, we want you to introduce yourself, yourself to our listeners. Can you tell them about well, who you are, how you found yoga, what kept you going and what led you to teaching and then anything else you want to mention? Oh yeah, totally. So like pull up a seat, sit down. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so my name is Melissa Toledo. I am the managing member of Zen Yoga Garage. So I take care of all of the day-to-day. I own a very small percentage of the business itself, but I work on site with our manager, Sierra, who will probably reference a bunch because she's amazing and Jen Kimball. And I do have um, a board of business partners who help run the studio with me. Uh, but I started as managing member March 1st of 2020, which I don't know when people are listening to this, but it was kind of a tumultuous time. I don't know if you've heard about this thing <laughs> called the pandemic. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> Never heard of it. Um, but before being a managing member of Zen, I was the full-time manager. I was an assistant manager. I was a full teacher here on the teacher training lead uh, roster, and I was a sub. I worked trade here, so I volunteered at the front desk. I did the cleaning shift. So I've kind of done every little piece that there is to do at this studio. Um, and I did my teacher training at Zen 2 in 2015, and before that, I had been practicing yoga since I was like really, really young, probably like 11 or 12, I started practicing. And it wasn't like a fully linear path, I think, as most teachers have it. I, you know, most teachers kind of bounce around. And then when you come to yoga, it makes sense in the end. But I started off as um, I studied dance and psychology. I had huge plans to be a neuroscientist, Uh, went off and was a professional dancer for a while. Then I got a certificate in movement analysis and I said, screw all of that. And I taught kids yoga and I taught preschool for about 10 years. Um, So yoga was like the only constant practice in my life while the rest of my life was up and down and moving from place to place, job to job, until it finally all kind of came together to make sense as being a full-time yoga teacher and now studio owner. (laughs) 
I feel like I just learned so many things I didn't know. You didn't know any of that? You no, know, she was a dancer and all. No, I, I, knew, I knew that you were a dancer. I also know that a lot of the other teachers at Zen have a dance background. Yeah, there's a lot of dancers at Zen. Just side note, Bradshaw used to tell students that I have a dance background. He's told me that before. I don't. Yeah, he's like, well, she was a dancer. And I was like, They'd be like, oh, well, I really here. thought that for like years. And you've told me like sometimes you're like, I never was a dancer. I'm like, okay, well, you are in my mind. I mean, like I did like dance when I was like in preschool and middle, like I didn't go to college for dance. I didn't study it formally. But yeah, no. So I was not I was not a dancer. So I did know that, but I didn't know you were a school teacher. And I didn't know that you found it so young. And I'm curious, like how at 10 or 11 did you like come across yoga? So it it all started when I like through my dance training. So I was, in terms of like dance, I was late to the game. I didn't start formal dance training till I was 10, um, which is wild to think that's late to the game, but all those professionals have been dancing since they were walking, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so as soon as I started dancing, my dance studio had yoga classes that they offered for adults and the students were welcome to go and take those classes. So I started practicing there and it was really just a way to, get some body awareness, figure out what was going on. Um, And then I think with everybody, like it turned into so much more than that, you know, (laughs) but like, correct me if I'm wrong. Was that outside of Philadelphia? Were you in PA? You were in PA, right? I was in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I was in a little town called Horsham, Pennsylvania. Um, And I was there for my entire young life until college. And so same dance studio, Dance Music School of Dance. They're still around in Horsham. Hello, Miss Carol. (laughs) I hope she listens. I'll I'll tell her. (laughs) But it Uh, was, it was like yoga was always something that was like in the background, but it never went past the postures until probably when I was in college, I started studying Bikram yoga, which we could talk about that for days and days and days. But... (laughs) Another episode. (laughs) Okay, so today we wanted to talk to you about how it takes a bit of like business savviness, not only to run a studio, but as a yoga teacher, we're usually independent contractors and we have to know how to basically run our own independent business. And so I'm sure you've had a lot of experience on your own as a teacher but what would is, was it like bringing that skill or those skills to now taking over a studio at the beginning of our first ever global pandemic? Like, that must have been crazy. I don't know. Like, can you just yeah, tell us about that? I mean, that? oh my gosh, how loaded, right? I mean, this comes up all the time for me, especially with like, relatives and my in-laws who are like, oh my gosh, you, you run a yoga studio. You must be so chill. Like, do you just meditate all day long? Mm-hmm. And, like, and like we do, we have these images of yoga teachers in the media that are like really lackadaisical going about their lives, no track of time. And like the reality of being a yoga it's teacher the opposite. is it's the, such the opposite. It's a scheduling nightmare. You have to figure out your commute from studio to studio. You have to feel out exactly what one hour feels like. And you're multitasking every moment of every day. And then in addition to that, you've got to remember your cues and your sequence and everybody's name who's in the room and who told you that they had a baby three months ago and you just mm. forgot about that. You know, like you're constantly task switching. Mm-hmm. 
and doing so in a way where you're still holding space for people. Um, and so the business side of things is really an extension of that, like constantly shifting hats, shifting tasks. But if I'm out in the lobby, putting on a really happy face, talking to the members, seeing how things are going. Meanwhile, in the basement, I have my office that's a disaster and a to-do list of 45 tasks. But yeah, like it, there's just, there's so much more involved to it than I think most people see or know, specifically in the small business sphere, because we don't have designated marketing department. We don't have a designated um, social media department or scheduling, you know, like that's all, it's all me and Sierra and Jen. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, especially coming in March of 2020, it was a really funny time because I was, I'd been kind of working towards this. I'd been really like, we as a studio had just opened up our largest studio it was the fourth. We opened with only two studios um, in the same building, kind of, you know, there's like a little extension across the street. Um, but when we opened the biggest space, the owner at the time realized like this is more of a workload than, you know, I can handle. We need to work together on this. So coming into that time, I was really excited and quickly found out after the fact that um, the previous owner had to move out of the country. And so March 1st of 2020 was like, okay, now this is going to be all you. Mm-hmm. I was like, great. And I had a meeting with her and the panel of our business partners and investors and signed all my paper paperwork. And I was so happy and excited and nervous. And then we're like, oh, and also we should order some more Clorox wipes and maybe hand sanitizer and we'll be good. Right. <laughs> Literally. That's what we thought. That's what we thought. So naive. We even like we planned out. We're like, okay, there's going to be a two week closure So let's plan to get the studio painted in those two weeks. When else are we going to have two weeks with an Mm. empty studio to do all this maintenance? So we -hmm. were like thinking really pragmatically about the business and had, I think like everybody had no concept of the scope of what was to come. Um, Mm -hmm. And in some ways it was almost the best possible time to go into a switch of leadership because everything was totally different. You know, I think, I think our closure was March 17th of 2020, somewhere around there. And it was just the, like the flip of a switch. We went from having classes with a hundred people in them to now our max capacity was 10. And then they pulled it away to nobody could be in the studio. So we had to like logistically change it. We had to figure out how to use Zoom. You know, like fortunately I had done a training on Zoom months like just months prior to the pandemic I was like I think there's this thing we can use so our first live streams were like my laptop open in the middle of the studio and then quickly pulled on all my past knowledge from dance and sound design like okay we need mixing boards we need microphones we need better quality cameras we need a platform to stream the classes on we need a way to get people the correct links oh boy that was a time Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so yeah there was a point in time where you know working from home but I had four different devices with a different class going on each different device a different teacher working from their own houses everybody got really good at moving furniture Um, so it was yeah it was like the big you know the big picture things were scary and unknown but the day-to-day tasks were relentless because you know on one side we're 
obviously we're all concerned about our health, our safety. Are we doing the best we can? Also, we have a business to run and memberships mm -hmm. are getting canceled, 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 canceled. So like, there's just this big question of how do we exist in this realm? And what does that look like? And how, how can we possibly create efficiencies to keep this going? You know, and like you were both around for that time. It was emails to teachers every day, cutting the schedule, adding classes. Like, mm. Well, you also had like, it, it's not, it wasn't as linear as running a yoga studio. And I say, I know that it's not linear running a yoga studio. There's a lot going on, but you have people coming to take class and people leaving. Now you have a group of teachers that are teaching from home, a group of teachers that are going into the studio. And, and then beyond that, you have another group of teachers who their entire financial well-being is you know, through Zen or, you know, mm -hmm. a big portion of it is through Zen. Then you're like, okay, well, I have a, a lot of other people, they really have a passion for teaching, but they have full-time jobs. So like yeah. you have to take that into consideration as well. So like there is, it, it is a multi-layered uh, machine. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, and yeah. at the start, that was our big question. When the pandemic hit, we had 30 classes a day and we had 80 teachers on our roster. That's fucking crazy. That's crazy. Like trimming that down to three or four live streams a day and coordinating an entirely new schedule. And not only who is available to teach these, but who has a setup at home that mm -hmm. can teach to the quality that we'd like to maintain. And I mean, truly, and there were those hard cuts on who, who needs us the most, mm -hmm. you know, we, very, mm -hmm. very openly asked anybody who had another source of revenue, another source of income to please step away from their classes. Because mm -hmm. if you have a full-time job and you're doing this because you love it and it's fun, that's amazing. It's just not the time for you to be teaching when teachers who need it for their rent, their food, their expenses, mm -hmm. they're the ones who need to be on the schedule right now. And I, I would, I also like to shout out everyone at Zen. Sorry, I just want to say like everyone was lovely there, like about that stuff. People were like people that had jobs and money coming in, like were like, no, I totally get it. Like people at that time, I think were so considerate and understanding, uh, and it was a, a hard time for all of us. Sorry, G, you can keep going. Oh, I was just gonna say that I didn't know that process that you all implemented during that time because I came, uh, I came to Zen in twenty twenty one. So it's just really nice to hear because you've always shown support to your teachers mm -hmm. and the fact that you prioritized your full-time yoga teaching staff is really commendable. And just personally, um, I remember feeling resentful at that time with a couple of the other studios that I was at at the time because not only did they not implement any sort of, you know, full-time versus part-time mm. or whatever system to uh, appointing like who gets what class when every studio was decreasing their schedule but also like my pay was being cut so much and I was teaching for you know first it'd be like five dollars less and then ten dollars oh less and then God. the longer the pandemic went on the less and less I was making until eventually I was like, I can't do this and I don't even know where else to look. Oh my God. Honestly, like being introduced to you and Zen like changed my life in Chicago at that time. Like I felt like it was a community that just understood the yoga teacher and like 
wanted to support from the get-go. And so I have like so much love and appreciation for that. And just hearing that you guys had that discussion is like, it also just makes me so happy. It makes me so happy. Like this this is is, like the big thing about yoga business in general is it is a business, you know? So like you have Mm -hmm. to make business minded decisions, but if you're thinking about it in terms of business and products, when is our product the best product it can possibly be? It's when everywhere down the line, we have happy workers, hundred percent, right? You know, like we don't need to worry about quality control if we know that the people coming in feel supported, respected, empowered. So at, at the start of the pandemic, again, mm-hmm. like I think that the benefit of me coming in right at that time is I still was a teacher in my mind. Yeah, I was just going to say that you've already like people coming into spots into jobs like you that don't that have never taught. I don't think it's a very good spot for them to be in. Like you have the eye, you have the scope mm-hmm. of like teaching full time and what that was like and the the trials and tribulations of being a full time yoga teacher. You can or a part time yoga teacher, whatever that looks like, yeah. you can really relate to. I think it's really hard when sometimes people run. They're like, I'm going to open up a yoga studio and they don't have that scope of what it's like to be in that job. And they're usually not good managers. <laughs> Well, like I think this all the time and I joke about it. My business partner, he is, he's just the business, you know? And like, there are so many people in the studio who don't know who he is and don't see him. And they're like, well, who is this guy that owns the business? I'm like, well, he owns the business, but in a very, very kind way, he doesn't do anything on the day to day. And that's an intentional choice because when it comes down to money and finances Mm -hmm. and maintaining the building, he's there, he's on it. And when it comes down to staffing and scheduling and, you know, payroll and keeping track of special events and workshops, all those things, he trusts me with that. And so then the challenging Mm -hmm. conversations only need to be between me and him. And it's somebody who's advocating for like, no, 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 I need to make the people happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then it's also fun for me because I can blame him Mm -hmm. on anything. I'm like, I don't know. Bill said so. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Bill. (laughs) So before you got into, you know, doing this, doing all that you do for the studio, were, would you have considered yourself like as a yoga teacher, like an entrepreneur or like a business person? Like, did you use any of the skills that you use now? I, so before that's where all like it all pieced together somehow, you know, like the, like I said, like with okay. my background in dance as somebody who like self-produced dance performances, I learned how to create, how to mm-hmm. set up video cameras, how to mm-hmm. run sound through a mixing board, how yeah. to use lighting and effects, you know, and like, so all of a sudden, you know, March of 2020, I'm like pulling all these things like, wait, 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 mm-hmm. we, we just need a condenser to bring together mm-hmm. the mic and the music. And like, so I, I would never, I don't know if I've used the word entrepreneur for myself. I do know that my mom always said I was, mm. I was going to be too difficult to manage that I would mm. end up working for myself. Well, not only that, <laughs> but it, w- when you're describing what you're describing, and I think that the, these words really, these worlds, excuse me, really intersect, which is the worlds of creativity of artists and a lot of yoga teachers. Uh, I yeah. think that we all there, you know, if you look at a Venn diagram, there tend to be a lot of people that are in the middle there. Uh, I'm not, and I'm not saying, I don't want to mm-hmm. say, I, I want to be very, uh, I want to choose my words wisely. I'm not saying that teaching yoga or running a yoga studio is like a performance, like lights go off five, six, seven, eight. You're not performing, but there, but you are leading a group of people and you are there to provide an experience. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, I mean, it's funny because as you were saying that, I was like, he's going to say performance. And I say it all the time. Like, 
I, and I, I agree with you, like choosing your words wisely. Like it, it is more than that. You know, like mm-hmm. obviously we're coming from a really rich history, really rich lineage. Yeah. There's so much depth to the yoga practice and the job as a yoga teacher sometimes needs to be slightly performative because if you were 100% your authentic self all the time, you wouldn't be allowed to have a bad day. You wouldn't be mm-hmm. allowed to, you know, I have a sore mm-hmm. throat. No, it's not COVID, but I like, I can't project that. Yes, you can. You have to. You have a you job know? to do. <laughs> you have a job to do. Like, oh, something just happened in my personal mm-hmm. life and I'm really sad. I'm, I can't bring that into the room because I need to mm-hmm. leave space open to hold for my students. So in some respects, I mean, I don't think it's an accident that so many dancers and actors and musicians end up in teaching element of yoga, because it is like, Mm -hmm. you come in, you have to be engaging, you've got to, I mean, and like both of you expanding your yoga business to this podcast, you know, and like to, we need different revenue streams, we need different sources to get ourselves out there. Um, and to continue our messaging, but there is a level of teaching yoga that you're right. It's not, it's not just about yoga. Mm-hmm. Well, so like you said, you're running a business. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that like, I think when you, when you yeah. hear sometimes people talk about it, it's like, oh, well, it's missing the yoga aspect. And it's like, well, you're running a business. And it, I think that you can have all those things at one time. You can run a mm-hmm. business. You could be authentic to your yoga practice. You can be authentic to the way in which you teach. All of those things can live together. And I think that sometimes something I've struggled with is trying to be one or the other. Like it has to be yeah. this or that. And that's something that I constantly re- try to remind myself of like, okay, Bradshaw, like be a little, be more in the middle. Yeah. Well, you know? it's like yoga teachers are humans too. You know, mm-hmm. like we're going to screw up our rights and lefts. We're going mm-hmm. to screw things up. We're, we're not always going to have our best day. But there is like, there's a level of like, it's the selflessness that when you Mm -hmm. come in, we're all selfish people. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know anybody who I consider fully enlightened being who doesn't think of themselves first, no matter how hard we practice and try. Mm -hmm. So that piece of it is is like putting your own (laughs) bullshit aside and being like, well, but I'm here to do this job now. Yeah. And in terms of teachers at Zen and, you know, it's, it is crazy. Sometimes I look at the schedule, I'm like, holy shit, there are now, again, we, this is kind of a different subject, but I really do feel like we're coming out when I say out of COVID, I mean, things are getting a little bit more back to normal. I've noticed that at at least in studio yoga life, and I've noticed Mm -hmm. in the past three months, I mean, it is just, oh, it's astounding. I mean, the past three, three weeks I've taught on Saturdays, there's been so many people there that it's, it's almost like, you know, COVID, it feels like a, a wild dream, you know, where like now the, the studios are getting back to like what we would consider normal. And like, I just want to know after COVID and everything that we kind of discussed, what is that like for you? Yes, of course it's exciting. It must be very fulfilling, but is it overwhelming? Oh, it's a hundred percent overwhelming. Like all the time. Because we also set up during the pandemic, we were looking for ways to engage more people, Mm. you know, and I mean, I think we're like, we're, we're not talking about directly, but the pandemic wasn't just the pandemic. There is a, you know, a social revolution that was going on there, you know, the pandemic shone a light on so many um, inequalities in the world that we're living in that it was our time to bring inclusion to the forefront. You know, it was our time to really bring everything forward. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, we started offering classes that were more gentle. We offered chair yoga. Then we also started offering more trainings. We started offering, 
different formats. We had more special events, more classes. And it was really, really nice to engage folks in different ways because not everybody wants to come and do 60 minutes of asana. But if we can get someone who wants to do some breath work, because I can't imagine why, but they're so stressed right now, you know, mm-hmm. like, but then in creating mm-hmm. all of these sort of new fields in our business model, now we've got to maintain it with 400 people a day, you know? <laughs> Yes, yeah, so on yeah. average, we've had about 400 people a day. That's a lot. I mean, that's amazing. Bonkers. It's, I mean, yeah, it really incredible. is amazing. It's it's yeah. it's just it really is as corny as it sounds. And I'm not someone who gets really corny, but like I when I'm there on Saturday and there's like those like so many people, you know, it, not just in my class, like in Monica's class and people in and out of everyone's mm-hmm. class. I'm just like. My jaw hits the floor because I'm like, holy shit, we didn't have this for like three years. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and, it's, it's wild mm-hmm. to even think I'm like, I'm having trouble. And it, even for me, you know, I'm like, I kind of, and sometimes get a little overwhelmed because I'm like, I'm just so not used to it. I'm like, oh my God, there's like, I, I get, I have to sometimes not think about it because I'm like, oh my God, there's yeah. 66 people in here. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know, it's just, it's wild. Well, it's so wild. And then on top of the people in studio, everything's being recorded and people are watching it after the fact. Mm. And you know, and you're mm-hmm. now holding space for people who are also feeling the same thing. Mm-hmm. Because every single day we have folks coming in who mm-hmm. haven't been here since the pandemic, who are mm-hmm. like finally feeling comfortable, ready to come back. And everyone's on their own timeline with this. So it's like, yeah, we're feeling like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of people here. And half the people in the room are also feeling, oh my gosh, there's a lot mm-hmm. of people here. <laughs> so it's like an extra, you know, that's yeah. the extra energy that we've got to hold now in saying like, oh, we're close to our neighbors, reach your arms forward enough, you know, (laughs) say hi to the person next to you, (laughs) whatever it is. But there is something, I mean, and I've taught at many, many studios and there's something really special about the community at Zen. And I don't know if it's like, we have have Mm -hmm. a really luxurious big lobby space where people can hang out. We do have a commitment to inclusion. We do have a commitment Mm. to include like not just inclusion in terms of like oh we welcome you however you are but we also really like we make an effort to make sure that if somebody's sitting in the lobby by themselves someone is there to offer to engage in conversation mm-hmm. you know that's part of what we ask our volunteers to do is to yeah make sure the studio is clean we check people in for class and see if anybody in the lobby is feeling lonely because and, there does tend to be so many people connecting with mm-hmm. one another. You don't want to be the one person on the outside. Totally. But then I think in, in the culture of doing that, our members yeah. now do that themselves. Mm-hmm. It's a studio it, that you go into and you're mm-hmm. like, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like that, you know, like people are like, yeah. what's going on? And it is, it is one of those studios too, where it's like, I, I think it's a great studio that's good at the art of caring, of really caring about the teachers, the community and the art of not giving a fuck. Like, yeah. we, you know, like we really care. No, we really care. We care about the <laughs> yoga. We take it very seriously, but we also don't take ourselves too seriously. So there's a sense of lightheartedness, a sense of fun, a sense of laughter. Um, yeah, yeah like we really care something? about the practice and we care less if you hear people giggling during your shavasana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it helps with what you were talking about before, Melissa, but like sometimes you have a bad day or you, you like we're human, like you you don't always feel like putting on that performance. I think Zen is so good at being accommodating to everything that to all, to all of these things we're talking about that, like 
not that you can go in and like show your bad day, but like mm-hmm. people get it. Like you just, you don't have to put up a front there. Like you, I think what I'm saying is like everyone just recognizes from teacher to students mm-hmm. that we're humans. Like, cause I don't know if you remember, like, I think this might be just my mentality or like an old school yoga vibe distance. where like you yeah, kind of put like the yoga teacher on a pedestal and like, yeah. And you just like, we're scared to approach them. Like we're the Zen mm-hmm. community is just so approachable. That's really yeah, like what when, I'm saying is like, you could really get. To and everyone is everyone there, there for it too. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I started practicing yoga, mm-hmm. it was just what you were saying where I wouldn't see the teacher until they walked in to teach class. And they would leave us in Shavasana and they were gone, mm-hmm. you know, and they were just this elusive being yeah. that was like, and now, and I know, I know studios in the city that have like a back door for the teacher to go in because they don't want the teacher to, they want the teacher to be separate, like from the members in the clientele. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend who works at one of those places and she's like, yeah, you know, we go through the help door. We're, we're just like, we're just the help. So we come in and we teach and we leave. And it's just a different, it's a different mentality, different mindset, a different group of people who are looking for those, you know, different communities and populations. Mm -hmm. I think though, as the student, cause I'm going back to like, when I was just in the student mindset, it made me like create up an imaginary narrative about that teacher. Like you were saying, Melissa, like, oh, you must be so Zen or they meditate all the time or they know things that I don't know. And it really like helps to just see someone as a human. And then you become a yoga teacher. Like they're all fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Or, Or like, it's like that yoga meme, like, we do this because we're also crazy or whatever. Yeah. Like we, we, we came to yoga cause we're crazy. I don't remember that meme, but no, it like helps to see your teacher as human be like, we're learning and walking. Yeah. as like walking along the same path and like, we can share what we know, but we're also continuing to grow and grow with you. And I have and, a, oh, sorry. Keep going. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You finish. Then I'll ask you. I have another question. <laughs> I was just gonna say like, and it also comes down to like, who, what do you want? Like as yoga teachers, we are role models. And like, what do you want out of a role model? Mm. This like untouchable, elusive, ever so perfect person or the person who like also forgot to pay for their parking today and got a Mm. ticket next to your car parked outside and their car (laughs) hasn't been washed in years. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Uh, I also wanted to say, you know, as you said, uh, and I was, and thank you so much for bringing this up because it, it rings so true. It wasn't only the pandemic, it was George Floyd, it was racial injustice, it was inequalities. It was all of these things that we all had to grapple with during the pandemic. And we still are grappling with now. One thing that's really wonderful about Zen is I do see a push for, and I think that Zen and all studios can get even better, but I do think that Zen has done a really good job of putting, um, people of color and queer people on the schedule and mm-hmm. kind of rounding out the uh, the teacher roster to be more inclusive, more in a lot of ways colorful. Um, yeah. Have And I, I've really noticed that and I know that's been an intention of yours. And just what has that experience been like for you? What is the feedback that you've gotten? What have been the challenges and all the things? Yeah, like, I mean, I think the big piece of it is it starts from the ground up, Mm. you know, like you can't, you can't expect so many studios throughout 2020, I saw were like putting out calls for like, we're looking for teachers of color, we're looking for this, Mm. like, well, if you're looking for something, and you're not seeing it, where are your holes? 
in, mm. in, in inviting people into this space because saying like, hi, I want a black teacher. Are you there? <laughs> Isn't really the way. And I know I, we have one teacher on our roster who turned down a job at a studio because the studio said, you know, we're really looking for someone like you. Mm. He's like, oh, because my teacher mm. is like, no, like someone who looks like you. And he's like, oh, so oh. you're just telling me you want me to teach here because I'm black? <laughs> he's like, okay, mm -hmm. great. Mm. But like, it is, I mean, it has to be a conscious effort. It has to be a conscious effort each and every way, each and every step of the way. We've been really, mm -hmm. really fortunate that the only shift of teachers we've had through the pandemic is because like some people need to move to California. Uh, <laughs> but it's been like, mm. it's been shifts in jobs, shifts in um, people who have had kids, people who have completely left the teaching industry entirely. But we haven't had any teachers leave just to leave, which is, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. It also means that our open availability for new teachers is really, really slim. Mm. So when we do yeah. get applications, which we get multiple applications a week, we have people looking to teach, we have to look outside of where they taught and how they teach. You know, so we start yeah. looking at archetypes before we invite people into auditions. Like this person sounds really great and amazing, but we have one of them. You know, mm -hmm. like, oh, that's, we already have a Jennifer. We don't need mm -hmm. another Jennifer in a really good, loving, loving way, you know? But mm -hmm. if somebody comes to us who doesn't fit the archetype of somebody we already have in our teaching roster, huh, maybe that's somebody we need to look at. And maybe mm -hmm. that's somebody, if they're interested in us and we have the bandwidth, can we support them to improve their teaching skill set to get them on the roster? Well, you know? also mm -hmm. on top of that too, Melissa, is just like people, there are people that come to a Bradshaw class are like, I don't like that, but I like Nicole's class. Yeah. I don't like yeah. that. I like Gianna's class. So that's not, not when I say, I don't like that. I mean, like, it's not for them. Right. Oh, of course, so there's, yeah. there's always a teacher, you know, so it's just, it's for important everybody. to you to have, yeah. there is a teacher for everyone. And we say that a lot because it's true. So like, I think like if someone was like, that was, that class was too fast for me. Like that was too fast. I'm like, okay, well mm -hmm. go see this teacher because they're a little yeah. slower, but you, you have all of that at the same studio, which is mm -hmm. also very beneficial because often what happens is people keep hiring teachers are like, well, I like this teacher. So let me hire all these teachers that are like this teacher. And then there's no variety. No. And then, and like, yeah. and it, it's a difference of branding too. Like some studios, you can look at their marketing, look at their imaging and go, oh, that is this studio. Mm. The person looks like this. They're either all in fluorescence mm -hmm. or all in pastel colors. They're, you know, like whatever it is, <laughs> they have a look. And like, I think yeah. that business model works for some people. It's a model I'm much less interested in. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm much more mm -hmm. interested in the messy, the gritty, mm. the we have we have folks of different and and I also I want to say I we are not perfect on our schedule by any means. So I just want to like clear that up. We still have yeah. work to do. You know, we still have a lot of people who aren't being um aren't being seen in our teaching staff. So we're definitely mm -hmm. still doing work there. Um, but someone who is like you in some way. When you see someone who looks like you in any way, whether it's their body shape, their age, mm -hmm. their race, their orientation, like, oh, that this is somebody who I have a commonality with. Mm -hmm. I can you already have this unspoken level of trust. Yes. Mm -hmm. And also maybe they, they're like, I like this teacher and I'm going to just go to this teacher, but I'm happy that the stu studio don't think that people don't notice that, you know, they notice oh, yeah. all the other things that are <laughs> going around. You know what I mean? So they might like this teacher, but they like that it is, you, you know, again, I, I think it's really, you know, you make such a good point. 
you're not perfect. No one's perfect, but we're working on it. Right. We're in yeah. the, we're in the process of constantly questioning things, constantly learning. Um, so adding more flair and variety is always good. I don't know where I was going with that, and, but thank you. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think too, that people get so overwhelmed with their end goals of like, mm. I want to have a nineties commercial look for <laughs> like, you know, mm -hmm. I need to have somebody represented for every demographic. Like mm. it's not a reality go right away, but little, little changes that you could make to could empower someone to come to your practice, to come to your studio. Like we had two people in our last round of teacher training, which we didn't find out until the very last day where we were speaking about it. Two people who had only ever been to Zen one time before they signed up for teacher training. And both of them said the reason they chose our training over a different training is because they saw that our locker rooms were labeled she, her, they, and he, him, they, mm -hmm. as opposed to mm -hmm. men's and women's. Mm -hmm. And they were like, it's that like the little simple shift. Stuff. It's like, it's just a little shift that anybody who it's, if it's not important to somebody, they don't notice or care. But if it is important mm -hmm. to somebody, they will for sure notice and care. You know, and like, Absolutely. Yeah. It's it, and that could be any little piece of it. It can be that you have one teacher on. It could be that you've acknowledged that it's Black History Month, still Black History Month, um, February twenty third. Here we are. <laughs> it's your history too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it's whatever little piece, you know. M Melissa, in terms of all the stuff that you have learned and experienced, you know, running running Zen as um, from a management standpoint and as a leader in that community, what has been the most challenging and what has been the most rewarding? Oh boy. Most challenging. I'll say, I'll, I'll start with most rewarding because that one like feels easy. And the most rewarding mm -hmm. is seeing people in the lobby after class. Like nothing beats that, you know, the before class hustle is getting the live stream set up. Oh my gosh, the mic's not working. We have to switch the mic, change the channel, get new batteries. Like it's such a, a hustle. And there are definitely times where you're like, why am I doing this? And then, <laughs> and then after class, somebody comes out and they're like, oh, I feel so much better. They're like, oh, mm. that's why I did it. That's mm. why I stayed up mm -hmm. all night getting that marketing complete. And you signed up this morning because you saw that marketing, like whatever it is. Like, mm. I think the challenging mm -hmm. is the constant task switching. Like the the constant yeah. shift of sending emails, writing curriculum, teaching classes, planning classes, maintaining partnerships. The mic's not teachers. working. The mic's not working. Yeah. And like all like I keep looking because <laughs> I'm in the studio and there's a class that just started a few minutes ago. And I keep waiting for somebody to come in and be like, so sorry to sorry to interrupt, but like, mm -hmm. at the, I think oh my God, I was yeah. teaching on Tuesday night and it was like, I don't know if it was the 6.30 or the 4.30, one of those classes. I think it was the 6.30. Jen comes in with a student and Jen's like outside the door and she's just looking at me with a student. I'm like, oh my God, like maybe, you know, my, what is my first thought, Melissa? Live streams. Not live streams on. That's on. obviously. <laughs> I'm like live streams on Zoom. Someone just missed, there's a water bottle. Someone just missed. <laughs> a half an hour of my class, which is very, very typical for me, for those who are listening. But Jen, <laughs> we could talk about but Jen was, 
Yes, exactly. But Jen sitting there because yeah. she she was Jen was really sweet. We had, we're 20 minutes into class and like she was wondering if the student could come in. And I was just like, yeah, 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 you could you could come in. I definitely do think since COVID, though, oh you have taught me that it's just like it doesn't matter. Yeah. If anyone wants to come in, they come in. I don't like like just be happy that they're here. You know, like we're just trying to get. Through well, this. you crack me up because for folks who know you, Bradshaw Wish as a human being is not a timely person. But occasionally, I, wish I like to no, no. I like to roll in. As a yoga teacher, class starts at noon. He is in there at eleven fifty nine, ready to go. And pre pandemic, he's he's going to deny it. <laughs> no, no, I get there. I'm there, uh, but just on time. Well, you you don't arrive to the studio till eleven fifty eight, but you're in the room yeah. by eleven fifty nine. I'm good to go. Good to go. Um, not everyone can do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, before you were like, no, if they're late, no, 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 and now we're yeah, it's like twenty minutes late, and we're like, eh, do some cats and cows. Figure it out. <laughs> like, but it is it's truly like I, my my motto has always been like late to yoga means you really need me need yoga because no yeah, one plans be on being that guy you know <laughs> totally and if you can get past your yeah. own insecurity to like walk um, into the room and have everyone look at you for a second like maybe you really need that class <laughs> hell yeah so i want to ask a quick question about live stream for those of you who don't know that zen still live streams they still live stream so if you're listening to this and you're looking for virtual or if you come to my live stream you make you're, you're halfway in i'll start the live stream <laughs> <laughs> well, I well, I just wanted to bring it up because I know so many studios mm -hmm. drop the live stream by this point. Like as Bradshaw was saying, like as we like come out of pandemic more, like studios getting rid of it. I really appreciate that Zen's still doing it. And I just wanted to quickly ask, like, are you gonna continue with that? Yeah, the like the plan. Time? And we we said this from the moment that we started live streaming. And this was like maybe the most insightful like leadership meeting that I've ever had where we said this is this is the new world and we're doing this forever now because once once folks shift mm -hmm. how they're practicing like so many people myself included i carved out an entire space at my house that my yoga mat lives now i never had that pre-pandemic you know like you you create a whole mm -hmm. space an entire place in your life to do something just because the world opens back up that doesn't make it that you're going to automatically go back and for many people like people who have long jobs or kids or, you know, just anything, they can't get to the, studio, get to in the time. studio in time. Mm -hmm. So you've now cut out an hour of your day. You got back because you're not commuting to and from and getting stuck in the lobby talking to us, you know, <laughs> and you just do your classes. So mm -hmm. we do plan on continuing it. And it's been really, really beautiful because we have members who there's been so much movement. I think all big cities have seen this, but when people were stuck inside, they're like, why am I inside 500 square feet when I could move to Oregon and have three times as much space, you know? <laughs> like, So we have members who have stayed with us. We have members in Singapore. We have members in Bali. We have somebody in New Zealand. We have somebody in Australia. Like we have somebody who takes class every single day in Switzerland. So it's this really cool way to build out That's the community amazing. even more. And then you start to just connect and realize like, oh, this practice is so much more than just this. And then from the business side of things, it's currently 30% mm -hmm. of our revenue, which is mm. wild. That's amazing. You know, but like people, people yeah. want that extra, the ability to have more flexibility with their time, I think has definitely come out of the pandemic. 
Also, we live in mm-hmm. Chicago and it's cold. It's cold. And the weather is also gets yeah. really bad. And I'll know because I'll always like look at the, you know, who signed up, blah, blah, blah. And then if it's really cold or it starts snowing, there's like six people that <laughs> cancel, all, cancel, so cancel. all of a sudden there was, they, they cancel and they move to live stream. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's you still get yeah. those students practicing. Yeah. Which is like, because, you know, if you mm-hmm. got rid of live stream, you know, it's like, well, before I, they got rid of live stream, I would have still been able to take the class. Yeah. You know, so it's it's another it's mm-hmm. another incentive for people to stay and get a membership and be committed to the studio and their practice and all the things. Yeah. And like and in terms of inclusion, mm-hmm. like there are folks who like inclusion and accessibility, they can't physically mm-hmm. get here. You know, you don't have a car, public transportation is unreliable. Yeah. It is cold. Maybe you don't have the the clothing to go out and be safe or whatever it is. Like it's just one more piece of creating accessibility in the practice. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a really good point. I got so used to doing live stream at Zen. It's so weird to me that now nowhere else I have been teaching. One, there's mean? a girl, Heather. Hey, Heather, if you're listening, she used to, she, I don't know if she still edits the <laughs> Zooms or whatever. Does she edit them? The, she doesn't, the she doesn't edit them anymore, but she is still here. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think yeah, this is okay. a good segue. Okay. Let's, let's talk about our funny, funny yoga <laughs> moments. Okay. Think about What's yoga. the funny thing about yoga? Okay, so Heather us. would edit the videos and like one time I changed in front of this, in front of the zoom, <laughs> just, I had like, I had underwear on, but I changed and I was shirtless. So just my chest was on the video. Oh for like three minutes. So on brand. <laughs> and yeah. And she's like, I, I yeah. So we, that poor, poor Heather, I'm really sorry that you had to look at my hairy chest and we have and just, so just so many compilations the camera from Bradshaw, <laughs> Bradshaw bloopers. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. I have my fair share of those from, from our Zoom. <laughs> I don't know how many Zooms has Bradshaw been in the bathtub. I'll, <laughs> oh I, yeah like during tt i like couldn't control where he taught from i'd be like are you in bed are you on a balcony or in the bathtub and also you're like your three hour lectures were 20 minutes i'd go and watch the video after i've gotten be a lot like, better i talk jaw drop i'd be like slower <laughs> okay well uh, melissa what's your funny story oh boy i'm like <laughs> It's probably, there was, it was, it was a funny story life lesson. I used to teach a yin class at night and it was 8.30 at night. And then it would go till 9.30 and I'd be the one to lock up, close the studio, everyone go home. I had a yin, yin class, it was super chill. People were like super into the, it that night. It gave a long, I think I did a 10 minute Shavasana. And then after Shavasana, there were still some people who were like, chilling in Shavasana. So I was like, okay, I'll give you a few more minutes here. I'll meet you out in the lobby. Went out, started cleaning up, getting the studio ready to close down. About five minutes passes. And like most people had left the studio. I peek in and there's one guy still in there. And so I was like, okay, so maybe I'll just go in. I'm going to make the music a little bit louder. And I turn the music up a little bit and no movement. And I was like, okay, he's really in it. So I'm going to, I brought the lights up a little bit, like no movement. I was like, okay, maybe the music is like keeping him in this state. So I like turned the music completely off, no movement. Then I could hear that he was snoring and was completely asleep. Like not just a little asleep, like the deepest sleep that you could possibly slip into. And so I'm trying to like, hi, hi, hello, hi. 
And to the point where I tried to do everything else until I had to like put my hand on his arm, nothing. So I had to like wake him up, which point was like huge startle, big, like the worst possible way you could come out of a shop. <laughs> or like a nap alone in a yoga studio with all the lights on. Everyone's like everyone's gone. gone he's like is this the afterlife yeah <laughs> it, it away. <laughs> am i done yet so we have a new studio policy don't leave him in shavasana oh for God. the last class <laughs> get him out <laughs> i think um i think this is i have a good story that's sort of similar but not really um but I'm going to make it Zen related since, since you're here and I'm not going to mention names, but I was teaching the candlelight. So like the late 745, 845 studio closes right after then. And whoever was working the desk thought that one of the regular students who attends my classes worked at Zen. So essentially, <laughs> essentially <laughs> there's this student who's just such a regular at Zen that it confuses people whether oh, yeah. or not they work there. <laughs> and surprisingly yeah. that happens. Yeah. So, so <laughs> well, cause there's people that spend a lot of time here. They take like two classes a day. They're chilling there. Like I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So this one particular night, the desk staff left because they thought that the student would close <laughs> the time. <laughs> got it. <laughs> it's fine they'll close it so I'm like about to leave after my class and it like I'm glad something told me just to like make sure there was someone here so I'm like looking around like who's gonna close this studio (laughs) and then I was like (laughs) I was like okay I guess I am because I realized and then the next time I saw that desk question I was like oh you you left and they're like oh yeah I just thought so and so was gonna close down you know, and some folks, people come every day, two, three times a day. And so I've just been down in the basement. My office is down there and somebody like a member comes down and I'm like, Oh, Hey, what you doing down there? Like, Oh, I'm just grabbing paper towels. (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) that's just how comfortable they feel. And we could do that. Yeah. And well, cause like yeah. the downstairs it's a is compliment. also like the, un- like the, it's like kind of the staff area. It is. Yeah. Yeah. This, and I tell that story with like appreciation. I just wanted to say it because it is, it, it does speak to how comfortable people feel in the community, but also the fact that like people, students love Zen so much that they come to like yeah. maybe two classes or they'll day. just come and stay there for you know, two like, hours or they might come- just chill. Yeah. And they, or they just like, will hang out and after class, like it really does embody like, like the community aspect that you oh my gosh, around. Were, I was just say there was a, there was a time during the pandemic when we had, when we were back in studio, but smaller classes and we had a break in the middle of the day. And so from one to four every day, there was nothing going on in the studio. And I was usually here working, but you know, if I had to go out and run errands, whatever, it happened like three times that I had to kick people out of the lobby because they were just like, instead of working from home, they were just sitting and working in the lobby and hanging out. And I'm like, I mean, this is cool, but like, we're, we're closing for a little bit. Could you go somewhere? Could you leave? 
Yeah. Yeah. There's gotta be, there's gotta be some boundary. There, there's all, it's also funny in that, that downstairs area. Now everyone that comes to Zen will know there's a downstairs. I know they're going to come hang out. <laughs> it's fine. But like down there, the, something else I really appreciate about Zen. And to be honest, I kind of missed during the pandemic is like, I don't miss the hustle as much, but like being around people that are experiencing the same thing of like, you know, teaching three to four classes a day and like trying to shove a salad down their throat in between classes down there. Everyone's down there eating chicken nuggets. No one's eating salad. (laughs) You know, I mean, my buffalo chicken wrap. Um, but like, you know, just down there, just like hustling, like how many classes, like, you know, be, I like that energy personally. It, I mean, it's fun. Cause it's also, I think in very few studios, do you have like a safe space to go to that you can yeah. like, Oh my gosh, traffic was terrible. I was running so late. I didn't think I was going to make it. My last class was a nightmare. Like, and you can like, mm-hmm. poof, let it go. Mm-hmm. And then walk up those stairs. Like, hi, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. And this is so different than a lot of studios though. And I just, I don't know where our listeners are listening from, but like the first four years I was teaching in Florida and usually there's like one class at a time, Mm -hmm. just one studio. So like Zen has multiple different rooms where classes happen simultaneously. Whereas like when I used to work and teach in Florida, like I never saw anyone. I'd go in by myself. I'd open the studio. I'd work the desk. I'd teach my class. I'd close it up and I'd leave. And I felt like I just had no coworkers. There was like no community besides like the students. And so it's a totally different vibe. And that's why I think it's just like a very unique. Well, and then it makes it fun because we all, because we're all like interact like coworkers, we can talk each other up in a very honest way because we Mm. not only know how each other teaches classes, we're Mm -hmm. teaching classes, but we're like, oh, you're nervous. Like, we have a teacher named Lisa who is like notoriously our most challenging teacher. She's total badass, super, super amazing. And because of that, people think she's scary as hell. They're so intimidated by her. And if you have a conversation with her, you're like, oh my God, Lisa's yeah, like a so little sweet. softy. She has like a five-year-old or he's six now, mm-hmm. you know, and like, she'll talk all about like what they were doing at home and her son and, and like vacations. And you're like, oh, Lisa's like a whole sweet little human. She doesn't just want to make me do burpees till I pee. (laughs) (laughs) So Shane, her partner, they, he was there the other day and they were both taking class. Shane's hair looked insane. He like, I don't know what was going on, but his Brad hair Tom looked Shane insane. Friends also, so. <laughs> no, we do. No, we, we love each other. We just, we just always like, you know, shoot the shit with each other. Shane's got a, a really, really great uh, personality, which I love because we can shoot the shit. But I said yeah. to him, I go, Lisa was behind him and I go, Shane, your hair is terrifying right now. And then Lisa, Lisa, looks at him, she's laughing. She goes, exactly. Exactly. They have like such a funny day. Oh my God. If anyone watching wants like some humor while you're taking like a sculpt class, they co-taught classes through the pandemic and they are just on each other the whole time. Like I used to just watch it with popcorn. Oh my God. They're so, they're so funny. Yeah. Go, so back. go back on, on go to back the... three billion classes. <laughs> you can search for it. Well, I miss Friday, Friday mornings. Shane would be there while I was there, like super early. It's just like me, Bradshaw and Shane would be like, so are you ready to teach class? And I'd just always be like, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be the best class ever. <laughs> top five, top five class. Okay, okay, Fridays, Fridays used to give me like the most anxiety because I'm not here on Fridays. And I was like, oh, it's fine. Gianna, Shane and Bradshaw are all there. And then I'm like, oh, Gianna, Shane and Bradshaw are there. <laughs> <laughs> Bradshaw would just this should be a funny story you would just like so Bradshaw's class ended at 
seven thirty. My class ends at eight. So that thirty minutes where Brad well, just out I, of class I, I teach and I'm still teaching. Yeah. Fifty six. <laughs> Yeah, true. So, so that forty minutes, Brad forty Shaw's minutes free while I'm still teaching. He just paces back and forth along the like, looking at me in the window, and he would just like make gestures to me like, well, Gianna. Up. Okay, so <laughs> Gianna will literally she'll just like you will you'll you'll like yeah whatever you, you know whatever no, whatever what what I, I teach a class till the time uh, it ends whatever <laughs> oh yeah she'll just she'll teach just a do class her job sixty minutes. Uh, well, and- but I had to like stop looking out the window. I'm like, I just can't. Like, I'm they're in Shavasana. Leave me alone. Oh, God. <laughs> well, in conclusion, there's a lot of weirdos that come to that. Uh, work at Zen, and you should definitely come visit. Uh, and we're, and we're probably <laughs> the two biggest ones. Uh, no, Melissa, we, we appreciate you so. Before well, we wrap up, we need to tell Melissa to let everyone 100%. know where they can find okay, her. Is, okay, speaking of that, is Zen considered in Bucktown or Wicker Park? So tell them where to find Zen. So Zen is in Bucktown, Chicago. We're on Milwaukee Avenue. If you're in Chicago, 1845 North Milwaukee Avenue. And you can find us everywhere at zenyogagarage.com or on Instagram at zenyogagarage or on TikTok, which like we don't do many TikToks, but we're at Chai. <laughs> And then what about you personally? I plug yourself. Me personally, I'm at Yogi Mel T on Instagram. And like that's about it. Right now, my that's personal enough. life and work life are very intertwined. <laughs> you have a lot going Melissa on. Melissa literally comes into the studio and she has a baby, an actual child, a dog. Yeah, that's true. And and like, <laughs> you know, Cheerios. And she's teaching. <laughs> um, is there anything coming up later in March that you want to plug event-wise? Um, lots of events coming up. We have a teacher training that is starting in March. We've got, we're debuting our 300 hour teacher training in April. We'll have our prenatal teacher training in the fall and on the lookout for a retreat in Greece in November. So we'll be posting about that soon. Yeah. I think you're doing all the things. Yeah, I understand why you don't have enough time on your plate. I'll put the links in the show notes for anyone listening who wants to find out about those events. You can go into our show notes. It'll all be linked there. Perfect. Thank you all so much. It's so nice to see you. It's so good to see you. We're happy to have you on the podcast. And- Thank you for being here, Melissa. We'll see you. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. See you. Bye. 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 I dreamed a dream in time gone by. When hope was high and life worth living, I dreamed that love would never die. I dreamed that God would be forgiving. Then I was young and unafraid, and dreams were made and used and wasted. There was no ransom to be paid, no no wine. Untasted. I'm going to see Les Mis on Thursday, next Wednesday, actually. You already saw it. I know I saw it twice. I'm going for a third time. You have problems. I have major, major problems. It's called addiction. It's called OCD. Okay. Bye, everyone.